0: Good morning, church. If we've never met before, like Steve said, my name is Ruth and I am the college crew director here at our Saratoga campus. And I've also had given the honor to um, serve our junior high and high school students here at the Saratoga campus this summer. And I've just got to give our students and our young adults a quick shout out. It is like the biggest honor to be able to see God work within our young generation here at Westgate Church. If you have any concern for the next generation that is to step up, there is no need to worry. God is in the midst of changing these stories for his glory. And um, I just wanted to relieve you of that tension. If you're concerned, Don't worry. They're in good hands. They're in God's hands. So um, if you do know me, you're probably thinking, Ruth, what are you doing up here? You usually host. It's not announcement time. And I just want to thank our leadership team for giving me the opportunity to really share God's word with you this morning. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. I've got all the nerves. I've got all the excitement. um, So I'm just going to lay the foundation right there. Um, But for those of you that don't know me and if we've never had a chance to meet here, I just wanted to give you a little bit inside of who I'm I am as an individual. There's three main layers to me and a lot in between them, but we'll start with the three layers. Um, First off, I wasn't born in the Silicon Valley. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. So I grew up in the hood of the San Fernando Valley, so I'm a Valley girl. So I use words like literally and like, like a lot, (laughs) literally. Um, My second layer is the fact that I realized real quick when I was born that I was born in a Middle Eastern family. So there was a lot of hand gestures happening that you'll see a lot today and a lot of talking so fast and you don't know what I'm saying. So I promise to slow it down for you and and chill out a little bit. Um, My parents and my two older siblings Rhoda and Jonathan were born and raised in Iran and my parents did a lot of ministry in um, Iran. And um, in the early 90s, my parents felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit to leave all that they knew behind, their language, their family, the streets, the signs that were in their own language, um, to step away from all of that and to accept the call to come to America. And they did that in the most unintentional yet American way of doing things. Um, They landed in LAX on 7-Eleven day so Slurpee Day, and that's a photo of them on the um, airplane. That's my sister, my dad in the middle, my mom. They're super stoked. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's Slurpee Day. Um, so yeah, they moved to America and just started a new life here, and did ministry and did all the things that American would do in L.A. Um, and lastly. Like I said, as I grew up, I realized I was Middle Eastern, so that was like a layer. And then another layer was that I noticed that my dad on Sundays at church would be standing behind the podium. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a pastor's kid. What is this gonna mean for me? So there's a lot there that we'll unpack probably later on the message, but that's a little bit about myself. I grew up in the local church. I believe in the local church and That God has everything to do with us in a community, and that's one of the reasons why I stepped into this community at Westgate. And um, I have a story of many stories, as I have been working here for the last almost four years, but God has been so good. And I'm just extremely grateful to be with you guys this morning. Um, Before we step into the word today... Like I mentioned, as I grew up in the local church, I saw many different things, all the things behind the scenes when my parents would talk at the dinner table to up front on a Sunday morning at a Bible study. Um, And I noticed that as I grew up and I saw all the things happening in front of me and even in our community here at Westgate, um, we do a really good job at making things feel like like we're okay, like all things are good. We're showing up to church on Sundays. We're going to life group. We're signing up for this event. We're serving here. But like us ourselves, how are we doing? Are we actually doing okay? Do we feel stagnant? Do we feel isolated? Do we feel like we're just going with the flow of things and we're not seeing a different result? And if that's you today, I just want to affirm that that's okay to feel like you're not okay. I'm there with you. In the scriptures today that we'll be reading as we've been in the series of Matthew in chapter 5, Jesus gives us the answer of what the answer is when we don't feel like we're not getting any results. We're, we don't feel like we're seeing the fruit of what we've been putting in. And so before we do that, I just wanna go ahead and pray and we'll open our hearts and our ears to the very true words of Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for all the fathers who are represented in this room today. God, I pray that your blessing and your protection would be over us. And God, most importantly, would you speak to us in a different way. Would we tune our hearts and our ears and everything in between just um, that we would just pay attention, Holy Spirit, to you. May we be aware of the truth of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, it says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the light, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I wanna break the scripture down for us today. As I was growing up and I would read these scriptures, I listened to sermons and devotionals. I always felt like these scriptures were really romanticized for me. Like it made me feel good that Jesus was calling me the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And I would sit on my throne and feel so good. Like, wow, that that sounds really pretty. That's super like, sounds like a highlight reel on Instagram where you put an old school Frank Sinatra song on. And you're just feeling so good about yourself. If you're like a millennial or Gen Z, you probably know what that is. But I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I don't think he's trying to romanticize anything here for us. If anything, it's a calling for you and I and for us to be aware of what he's actually saying here. So what does Jesus mean by being the salt of the earth? Let's start there, that first visual, that first metaphor. Now, it's not what probably you and I are thinking today. Like, I have this uncle from my mom's side, and he actually lives in San Jose with his wife. And every Thanksgiving, every Christmas dinner, he has his own salt shaker by his plate. And God forbid, if my sister or I, we take that salt shaker and not use the one that is dedicated to everybody else at the table, there is no holiday dinner for us. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that I'm calling you to be the salt of the earth like a little sprinkle of salt on a hot dinner plate. What Jesus is referring to is salt, like, think of maybe today, if you guys are going to barbecue and make some... um, Hamburgers, for our family, it's going to be kebabs on skewers on a a barbecue, you know, set. What holds that meat together? It's salt. It gets in the mushy of things. It gets in in the thickness of it all. It holds things together. And so salt at that time, it was used to preserve and to purify, to keep things from decaying and perishing away. And that's the calling here for you and I today. For us to step into being the salt of the earth in a way where we would be the blockage from life and death in people's lives. To preserve and to purify. Because on the other side of things, if we choose not to, what does Jesus say? But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And immediately I was like, this is why these scriptures are not romanticized. There is an urgency within what Jesus is saying here. When salt loses its taste, it's ineffective. It cannot be restored. It it can no longer bring life into something that is perishing away. The purpose here is that as people of God who have said yes to Jesus, that we would say yes to stepping into people's lives that are in need, in dire need of life in their own souls, and their own hearts, and the things that they've been experiencing that have brought so much despair and anxiety and isolation. The beautiful part of step, stepping into being salt of the earth is that we are getting to say yes to people tasting the goodness of who God is, just as how you and I at one point in our lives have tasted the goodness of who God is, to prevent decay and to preserve life. And the salt metaphor, like I said, it's when be, people begin to see or taste the goodness of God. And in verse 14, others will see the goodness of God. It's, it's two. It's two metaphors. You are the salt of the world, verse 14. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. Light is one of the most common symbols that we see in scripture, Right? In the old and New Testament scriptures describe God as light. We see that Jesus is described as the light of the world, and the beautiful thing is that we are also, God's people are described as being lights. And so as simply as that, what does light do? You step into a room, who's scared of the dark? Okay, don't expose yourself. it's fine. So you step into a room, right? And I was a kid, and I was always scared of the dark, so like I would slowly step into a room, put my hand on the wall, and then quickly just feel where the light switch is at. Have you ever done that before? You walk into a room that's so dark, and the moment you turn on that light switch or you take out your phone and you turn on your flashlight, where is darkness? Light scatters darkness, so much to a point where you cannot go and find it anywhere. To be as visible as light is, We are beginning to expose all the goodness of who God is in others, in other people's lives. That we get to be a part of God's mission call to step into someone's story and declare life over them. As salt does, it brings life. And then as light, we get to step into someone's story and just claim that God is for them and that he loves them and that he sees them and he is for them. And what does that do? It stops someone from going to find, okay, where is the wall? Where where what do I have to do now? Where what where else do I got to look? The searching stops as they find Jesus in us. There's another thing that light does. It, it travels the distance. It's active. In verse 15, Jesus points out that it is foolish for us to hold on to and cover the light of the good news of the gospel. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. A light placed on a stand doesn't just light up the house, but also the people in the house, all who are in the house. Light is not selective. You can't go around choosing who you want to share um, your light with. That's what the bowl is describing, that you just put it in your jacket and you're like, oh, not that person today, next. Okay, you, yeah, here's what I've got. It's not selective. Scripture says that it gives light to everyone in the house, everyone included. This isn't a calling to stay put and let certain people in and out. This isn't a mentality that some Christians have that it's us versus them. We're here, we acknowledge you, but we're just gonna stand here and we're gonna do our thing and you do your thing. Like I said before, what does salt do? It gets into the mushiness of things. It gets dirty. It it brings people, it brings um, lives together. And light, it goes the distance. It travels the distance. Think of the North Star. It's like literally so old. Like literally, see, LA. (laughs) When we look at the North Star, it's 680 years old. The light that we see has been traveling hundreds of years to get to you and I. And in the same way, as the North Star has no idea what it's doing, it's just doing what its purpose is to do, to go the distance and and to shed light, that is what Jesus is calling you and I to do today. Even if we have no idea what the fruits of our work, who will it get to, what will it do, Will it amount to anything? We still say yes. We commit to going the distance. The light in us, the stand that we are also called to be, it's to give glory to God, but it's also for people to see that he wants everything to do with their story because he is the one who is writing it. He is their creator. Jesus shows this in many parables, but the one that I love so much is that he goes after the one, have we been going after the one or have we let it, have we let them walk by? Have we been the bowl to the light that just covers it and puts our back on that person and has them walk by? My prayer is that we would not choose to do that today. And and as we journey through our faith with Jesus, to go after the one who's left behind. Now, what's the why in all of this? Why are we called to be the salt of the earth and And why are we called to be the light of the world? Why is this the mission call? And Jesus says it so beautifully in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The mission call is to step down for a mountaintop moments with God, right? We get into um, our story and we experience God and it's so good and we just wanna stay there because it's like, God, it's you and I. And he's like, yes, it's you and I, but go after them. You've tasted and you've seen, now take it down, come down your mountain and go and share, be the light, be the salt. In these few verses, if we don't embody these, we get, we get the entire Sermon on the Mount wrong. We, it just gets disqualified. It's as simple as this calling that Jesus has for us today. That will we take that opportunity to get into the mushiness of things? Our hands are going to get dirty, our feet are going to get tired, but are we going to say yes to that? Are we going to say yes to, okay, God, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this person, but Lord, you give me the words to speak and I will shed your light in them. Are we inviting God into those moments as we go and encounter those who have yet to taste and see how good Jesus is? As I mentioned earlier, um, I'm a preacher's daughter in and through, and in honor of today being Father's Day and as I've been meditating on these scriptures throughout the several months, I can't help but share my story. See, when I was 10 years old, my life turned upside down when I watched day in and day out as my dad struggled with his battle with colon cancer. And within three short months, he went and passed away and went to be with Jesus. And although I'm grateful that in that same year I got to um, experience the goodness of God and at the age of 10, God got a hold of my heart and I've been trying my best for the last 17 years within community and within the right people and just by the spirit of God to live um, closely to Jesus. So although that is so good, I struggled these last 17 years with this desire to get to know who my dad was. I was 10 when he passed away, so I didn't get to have those deep life conversations, those like dig deeper moments where he would say something and maybe I could be like, okay, but what do you mean by that, dad? But why? But why? I didn't get those moments. But the coolest yet most interesting thing that I got to do is listen to other people's stories that, um, that lived with my dad or had an encounter with him as he did ministry in Iran and came to LA and did another um, a decade of ministry. And I would hear countless of stories. One that came to mind as I was preparing this was uh, my mom constantly always shares about their first year of marriage. My dad and my mom felt the nudge to go to the streets in Tehran, Iran, and grab people, men who were struggling with drugs. And they brought them into their house. You guys, this is first year of marriage. Like, maybe don't take notes on this. But so they bring these men over, and for, the, for a few years, um, they began to help these men, these young men recover from their addictions. And then later in that process, they began to disciple them and see, oh my gosh, Jesus, your salt and, and, and who you are, your light is just really beaming into their lives that they are beginning to transform. And many went to be pastors and worship song writers and all these sorts of things all over the world. And there are stories like that. And there's a simple story of a couple that were longing to, um, a married couple that were longing to have a baby. And it just wasn't working out for them. And they, they come to my dad and they're like, Joseph, would you commit to praying and fasting with us that we would be able to maybe have a baby? And he's like, yeah, of course. No big deal. And so months of praying and fasting together, being in community with each other, they came back with news that Joseph were pregnant, We're having a girl, and we're going to name her Mary. Stories like this, stories like this that have traveled the distance to get to one girl 17 years later, throughout the last 17 years, to preserve my life. And although I wish it maybe could have been different, I still wouldn't have had it any other way that literally a man's life, his yes to Jesus, his yes to being the salt and the light, through stories traveled through death to preserve his daughter's life, for her to walk with Jesus. What I think is so profound, if we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, is this movement that I began to notice. And the movement actually starts in the Old Testament. Y'all, I'm going to shout out my only, one and only semester at seminary to learn this word, the Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Old Testament. That's all I got from seminary. But um, the first five books, if we look at it, right, from Genesis to on, we see this movement of God calling Moses up onto this mountain, affirms him, sets him apart, blesses him and his family. And then he says, You go, you come down this mountain. And you will get nations blessed through my name, through who I am. And I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to be for you. And it's this movement, right? A man, a woman being called into the presence of God, tasting and seeing who he is, being called to come down that mountain and to go to the ends of the earth. That's what Moses does. And we see that through Scripture. And then we come into the New Testament. But Jesus, the Son of God, Sermon on the Mount, same thing. We see the Beatitudes that Steve so beautifully set us up the last two weeks. And this moment where he's calling his people. This is the mission call. To be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. To come down our mountaintop moments. To take what we have experienced. Don't dismiss it. That's God working in you. But to work in you and through you to reach people. That is the mission call. And as I began to look into my life, okay, where, when was that moment? It was two years ago in the middle of COVID, and I was in L.A. with my mom and we spent shutdown with, uh, together. And one of the days we sat, maybe just like many of your families, what else do you have to do? You look at your photo albums, you think of happy days and, and happy times of when the world was not a shutdown. And so we did that, and we were looking through photo albums, and I looked in my yearbooks, and I came across my second grade yearbook. And I read all the notes that my teachers had left me, my friends had left me, and then I came across the last page, and I saw that my dad had left me a note, and I never knew about it until two years ago when I was 25 years old. And I had to prep myself before reading it for the first time, and I'll share it with you today. He wrote this, Dear Ruth, you have done a great job, wonderful. I am proud of you always, May God bless you and protect you. Keep going. You will make it with love and prayer, your dad. You guys, that wrecked me. And it's been wrecking me. <laughs> so much so that I got with love and prayer tattooed on my wrist. I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're working through forgiveness on that one. That was my coming down the, mo- uh, coming down the mountain moment. It was spring of 2020. And then I felt like God was really nudging at me like, Ruth, listen, I've got something for you here. And I was like, okay. And then within weeks and months, I found myself in conversations with our leadership team asking them, could we have an opportunity for young folks here, young adults, 18 to 21 years old, college students that know that they have a place here, but like just a space for them. And before I went into those conversations, I kept feeling, are you sure, God? Are you sure this mountain feels really good right now? Like, I just got this note from my dad, and, he's, and, and this is so good. Are you sure we've got to come down? And he said, we've got to come down. And so for the last two years, we've been able to see college students here have a space for them to transform and be discipled and, and have genuine, authentic relationship with others their age, and most, most importantly, with God. And I know my story is different and it's meant to be different than yours, but what is your story? What does that mountaintop moment with God look like for you? What does it look like? What is he calling you to? Because nonetheless, we still say yes to what God is calling you and I here today. And I'll close with this. My last vivid memory with my dad it was just a couple weeks ago before he had passed on. He just went through cancer and he, the doctor sent him home. And he said, you have six months to live. And we didn't see those six months. We just got a couple of weeks. We had just come home from having surgery and uh, we, were, we were in the apartment and my mom was like, Joseph, what do you want to do today? And he so confidently yet in his like weakest physical moment, he said, take me to the father's house, take me to church. And so all five of us got into my brother's Infinity G- G35 two-door, and I'm saying that because we're like, you know, we were, we're, we're big. So it's a two-door, and the women are sitting in the back, and my dad and my brother in the front, and so it was a tight ride. But we get in the car, and we're making our way to North Hollywood, which was about 25 minutes from our place. And that 25-minute drive turned into about 45 minutes. Why? Because my dad was in so much pain and you know the roads of LA, they're super bumpy and it's always under construction, that my brother had to drive super slow over every bump, over every pothole until we got to North Hollywood. And so we eventually get there, we park the car, and we just slowly made our way to the back of our little chapel. And it wasn't even like half the size of this room, it was probably just this section. And so we enter from the back and we all stand there. And then my dad slowly, made his way to the middle of the aisle and we had pews at the time, not these fancy chairs, they're just these pews. And he took one step after the other and then he just stopped and we all just watched him. And then within a moment, he fell on his knees because of how severe his pain was. And I saw this man in his dying moments, crawl his way to the front of the altar in worship, and in prayer. And I was 10 years old and and I didn't even feel like, oh my gosh, mom, like, do we go and grab him? It wasn't that, we were just all there, seeing how this man dedicated his entire life to this call of being salt and light. And in that moment, he, he surrendered. I did the good deeds, God, it's for your glory. Let it be so. It's the surrendering to being obedient and faithful to God that gets us to become like that North Star, that we have no idea where our stories will lead us, that we have no idea if, will we ever even see the fruits? My father was never able to be here and to see the fruits of his daughter's life, but I know that as his note reminds me always that it's God who will keep you and protect you. And we go in love and in prayer Will we travel the distance? Will we get into the grimy things of life with others? Maybe you're sitting here saying, okay, Ruth, like this all sounds good and, and I'm here for it, but like what can I actually do? How can I be useful? How can we be effective? And Tim Keller gives us this simple yet practical way of connecting ourselves to the great call there's like these three circles that he draws out, opportunities, abilities, and passions. And with opportunities, it's to ask ourselves today, what are the doors that are opening in front of us? Now we don't force those doors to open, but we can be aware and be willing to say yes when God invites us to an opportunity that has our name on it. And then our abilities, what are your gifts? God has designed each of us in such a way for us to be able to see what our hands and feet can do and submit it to him. What are these spiritual gifts that Holy Spirit has exposed to you and have made known to you? And then your passions. What is God maybe stirring within your heart? What keeps you at night that you're like, I just wanna wake up in the morning and like go after this one thing. What are you passionate about? those desires and those longings, the abilities and the opportunities, they're all there for a purpose. They're all there to make them all come together and to submit to that calling of Jesus. As you look at these three aspects and in that calling, and then you look into your own life, maybe ask yourself, what does it look like for me this summer to say yes to come down that mountaintop moment with God, that movement with God, and to go and share it with others. See, what I love so much about Westgate is that they're all, like we're always having opportunities here, right? If you look at the summer, we have kids camp and students camp and, and beautiful day serving opportunities, all of those things. What is the Holy Spirit nudging in your heart today? And if not this summer, and if that feels a little too overwhelming for you, What is God nudging at you to step into this week? What kind of opportunity is God placing in front of you that he is so patiently waiting to see, okay, this might be it. She's gonna say yes. He's gonna step out. This is it. Will that be us today? Will that be us this week? And I just want us to take this moment. Let's do it right here, right now together as a community. Take 30 seconds, close your eyes, whatever you feel comfortable doing, 30 seconds to invite God in, to invite the Holy Spirit in, asking him, what are you revealing to me today? Show me what it will look like for me to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world as I come down the moment as I come down the mountain this week. Just take a couple of seconds. Heavenly Father, we commit that we don't wanna be stagnant in this community. We don't want to stay put, Lord. We don't want to be a hidden church on a hill that you have placed us on, God. Help us to become a church that shines so brightly in this dark valley, Lord. Lord, we commit that we don't want to go without you. We want to be led by you, Holy Spirit. And Jesus, let it be so that it is you that is working in and through us for others that are lost, that for those that are in need, that you would be able to reach them through us. Lord, all of us in this room, myself included, we commit to saying yes, Lord, yes, Lord, to your mission call, to this movement that you are doing in and through us, God. May we be the salt, may we be the light, may we travel the distance, to get to those who have yet to know who you are, God, who you truly are, the waymaker, the miracle worker, the one who's always after the one. Let it be so, God, in our lives today and as we move out of this space, in the name of Jesus, we pray.